0: Welcome to the Servants' Feast Christian Ministry Podcast with Rev. Elizabeth Moreau. Elizabeth wrote the From Called to Sent Discipleship series that includes six books and two retreats for the intellectual and spiritual development of Christians in the local church. In Elizabeth's From Called to Sent series, she often tells us there is more. Christianity is so much more than just attending church and Sunday school. The riches of our faith are beyond what we can hope or imagine. Jesus tells us that he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Elizabeth passionately teaches the treasures of Christian life to the end that we grow and mature and experience an abundant life in Christ. Her reflections on topics and issues of the day always point to Jesus with the purpose of advancing his kingdom. She desires for us all to understand the deep and rich heritage we inherit from the historic and universal church. In Romans, Paul tells us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. With this thought, let us continue our journey of transformation and renewal as Elizabeth shares her teaching through this podcast.
1: Well, welcome. This is Elizabeth and it is good to be with you today and I thank you for uh listening in and today the topic is going to be a difficult one. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the uh new Texas law, the abortion the the abortion law that passed and um and it's getting so much attention right now in the media. And um, I hadn't planned to do a podcast. I will tell you, I'm trying to write a book and I can never sit still and get anything done because I moved from one podcast to one, um, to the next, you know, uh, post that I need to write to the next podcast. Next so, anyway, um, uh, we're going to use some. Uh, finish out a series over the next few days um, and then we'll use those for the podcast inst- so that I can take a break and do some writing and regrettably or interestingly or whatever the topic that I'm writing on is the nature of Christian marriage which has a great deal of reflection on male and female and what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman so I actually have a pretty clear opinion about all this not that I don't have clear opinions about everything but I have a well supported opinion um, however, I'm afraid in the amount of time that I have here is kind of pulling it together at the last moment. That I may, this may, may not be the best podcast, or it may be the very best. Maybe I'd do better if I didn't think so hard and I just said, um, went up straight up and told you what I thought. But anyway, all right. Um, what I want us to do as we think about this is I want us to think about it not from a political standpoint. Are we Democrats or Republicans? How does this work for a political party? And how does this position us politically? No, that's not what I want us to think about. Um, I want us to, I don't want us to think about this from a legal standpoint. What is legal and what is the, you know, um, uh, uh what are the laws and who this and that. What I want us to do is think about this as Christians. When we talk about abortion, what is a Christian point of view and what specifically does God think of abortion? And I think that that's really important. Not, not, that, not that I think that I'm the only one who um, understands what God says. I don't have any special divine knowledge to impart to you that is greater than the scriptures. But I think that we can turn to the scriptures and see what we can understand, um, see, see and we, can have, we can walk away with some understanding about how God would view this particular issue. And I think that's very important for Christians. What does God think? I don't think we ask ourselves that often enough. And um, if we want to know what God thinks, I think we should start with prayer. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to open with a word of prayer, as we always do, because Lord knows if we're going to have any wisdom of it all, it surely must come from God. Hear my prayer, Heavenly Father. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. We ask that you open our hearts and our minds to the knowledge and love of you in Jesus Christ. Grant that we may receive your Holy Spirit for the healing of our souls. Illumine our thoughts and enliven our hearts. Teach us in this time so that we may know you and your Son, Jesus Christ, and live. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the national media is howling everywhere you look, every news organization. Oh, my goodness gracious, they're taking away women's rights. The Department of Justice in the Biden administration is suing the state of Texas. Now, I don't know on what grounds they think that they can do that. I mean, the Supreme Court of the United States has ruled that the law is legal, that it's a legitimate law and that we can go forward like this, the state of Texas. I'm from Texas and I like the law, I got to tell you, but anyway, so it says, I mean, the Department of justice is going to step in there and that's a whole. That's a whole discussion of itself. This idea of an administrative state—you didn't elect the department, of, the Department of Justice—but you got a Department of Justice that's going to say, "Here's what laws you can and cannot have," or at least they think that's what they're going to do. They don't have any legal grounding for that. Uh, Supreme Court's already said so. But the best, the best in all this, my favorite—or not my favorite—I think the most appalling, or whatever, are the feminists across the nations. They are practically frothing at the mouth. They are so upset that we uh, that about this abortion law I mean you're, you're there we're not gonna let what about women's rights and you're taking you know it's a woman's body it's her choice it's her blah 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 okay, okay. just so you're clear i want to make sure that you're very clear on this before we get started i am not a feminist right? I, and and when I say that so that you will know that you cannot, that not to expect any irrational thought or any vulgar screeching coming out over here because I am not a feminist and I find feminism to be, the feminist um, argument, the feminist, the whole platform of feminism to be completely irrational. That's a conversation that we can talk about at another time, but my hope is that, um, uh, I my hope is that I uh, will be uh, say that I will be rational even even as I throw this together at the last minute and try to make a couple of points about abortion, about womanhood, about God, these things those sorts of things. I'm not going to try to argue with the press. I'm not going to argue with the feminist or anything <laughs> certainly not you know, Anyway, but um, I have grave doubts about the emotional stability and, and the, the capacity for reason among among rabid feminists, and so I don't see any point in trying to engage them. Uh, but what I am instead going to do is try to make some points that I hope, well, um, in this last-minute podcast will make sense, It will give you something to think about, especially in light of the fact that I'm making fun of feminists' irrationality, Um the first thing I want to say is that the law does not make abortion illegal, and we all we all know that it, it does not make abortion illegal. Um, but what it does do is it makes abortion illegal after when it, six weeks after conception. Therefore, once the once a, once a child has been conceived in the womb um, after six weeks, then abortion becomes illegal, right? Now, then, the first point I want to make here is that at six weeks, a woman knows whether or not she's pregnant. Right. I mean, you, you'd have to be completely unaware, oblivious or whatever else like that, not to know that you're pregnant after six weeks. So, I mean, you know, they, they have pregnancy tests that will tell you a week after you've after you've engaged in, in um intercourse, whether or not you are um, going to whether or not you're pregnant. I mean, there, you can, it's, it's, it's astonishing how quickly you can know these days. Um and then, so I mean, you know, six weeks is enough time to know whether or not you are pregnant. And if you don't want to be pregnant, you can um, you can get an abortion up into the, up into six weeks, right? And then there's this whole deal about well, there's no exclusion for rape and there's no exclusion for incest. Let me point out to you that those are legal issues. That that is against the law. Both rape and incest are against the law, and the laws and it deserves to be protected. The part the woman who's engaged in that or who to whom that occurs deserves to be protected. Um, under the law, all right, and under the law, she can report that, and anything that occurs afterwards that she does not want can occur within the first six weeks. I repeat myself, I am repeating myself, within six weeks, you know whether or not you're pregnant, and um, so that would be true, whether or not it's rape or incest, and yes, I know there's all sorts of complications about, you know, young girls who get pregnant, and they don't want to tell their parents, or young girls who get pregnant by a father, or a brother, or an uncle, or whatever it is, but I mean, you have school counselors, there are plenty of social services to intercede, on behalf half of women everywhere, I mean, you know, um, who are taken advantage of, and the vast majority of abortions do not occur to 13-year-old girls who were raped by their, you know, uncle or whatever. I mean, I mean... that's not the vast majority, right? And um, so anyway, the so I, I want to repeat. Six weeks is enough time for you to get the legal help that you need so that you can abort a baby or whatever. You, this, this is a legal issue. If you are raped, it is against the law. That man needs to go to prison. If it is incest, it is against the law, and that man needs to go to prison. No matter how related to you, he is. It is wrong, right? So anyway... The second, the the, the other point I want to make, the third point I want to make here is that this is all part of the the law itself about the issue of six weeks, right? At six weeks from fertilization, I don't know how many of y'all know this, um, but I did some research, but at six weeks from fertilization, a baby has a heartbeat, okay? The baby is able to move around inside the womb uh, and do so spontaneously uh, and, and in response to stimuli and stuff. A baby can move around. Most of all, at six weeks, you can record brain activity in the baby. Six weeks from fertilization. Okay, And I want to back up to the moment of fertilization or conception, whenever the baby is, is made or whatever, uh, whenever life begins, that baby has gender, it has ethnicity, it has hair color, it has eye color, um, you know, it, it has a host of family traits from both the father and the mother, and those are there from the moment of conception, from the moment of fertilization. Those are all present, but at six weeks, let me be clear, at six weeks, a baby is not a blob of cells. That is not a blob of cells. It is a baby with a heartbeat, a brain, uh, brain waves, and with, um, with movement, the capacity for movement, um, you know, with hair color, with, with eye color, that, 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 those are already there. Those are all pre, predetermined, and they're already, you know, um, set and shaped and formed in who this is going to be. At the time of Roe versus Wade, medical science did not allow for that sort of understanding of uh, embryos or babies in the womb, right? They, it, wasn't, it wasn't possible to know that, and so you were going with the best estimate of the doctor. But that's no longer the case. That is not the case. They can go in now and they can look at that. Medical science has advanced. They can now see the heartbeat. They can now see the brain waves. They know these, or they can hear them. They can hear them, not see them. I'm sorry. And so I need you, my point is that it is not a blob of cells, and we ought to be honest about that. Right. And that that's what the six-week marker is. When we say, oh, six weeks, that's way too soon. It's not too soon. That, that, that's, that's a little human being coming, that's, that's right there, that's working on getting there. And that brings me to the second major point that I want to make, right? The essential pro-abortion argument goes something like this, all right? It is all about me, the woman, what I want and my plans. That's it, y'all. That's it. That's the primary logic for abortion, right there. That's the whole thing. It's all about me, what I want, and what my plans are, right? That's it. That's the whole primary logic. I don't know how to say it any more clearly than that. I mean, surely we must admit that we are all guilty of feeling that way from time to time and that we can all exhibit that particular behavior um, in our own lives in different ways, in different places and times. But the point is, is, is... It's not that we all experience that. It's all about me. Excuse me. Let's just talk about me and what I want and what my plans are. Um, no, it's not that, it's not that, um, that we aren't all experiencing that and we all don't all feel that way. But the point is that it is sinful. It is antithetical to everything that is Jesus Christ, that is the son of God who laid down his life on our behalf. It is, you know, this is the God who though he was God humbled himself and he became obedient even to death on the cross. Wow. Not all about him, was it? You know? Um, and so, so that's the God that we follow as Christians. That's the God we follow. And we need to decide that, that, you know, it can't be all about me. Of course, I want to make it all about me, but at least let us admit that that is sinful. And that is the primary argument. The primary, not the underlying argument. I'm going to give you some of those as well. But the primary argument for, um, for abortion is right there. It's all about me, what I want. Uh, Now, then, the underlying argument about God, all right? I mean, about abortion. Okay, the under underlying argument for abortion, excuse me, is uh, that women should be able to have all the things that men should have, that men have, right? And that means that a woman should be able to have the career that she wants, and the pay that she wants, the education she wants. She should get equal respect. She could have. She should have equal sex and uh, sexual activity, uh, equal promiscuity, equal liberty with her sexuality, and um, there is. Uh, um, because a woman can do everything that a man can do. A woman, therefore, should be able to have abortions if she gets pregnant, right? And she should be able to have them on demand, wherever and at whatever stage. Okay? Yet I would say to you that it is the female body that carries children and gives life to children, not the male body. And there is no way to change that unlike the feminists i would suggest to you that um I don't, I don't consider i consider that to be a remarkable gift to be a, to be able to co-create with god to bring forth life as god has brought forth life you know and that brings us to the issue of what it means to be a woman i mean do we is, is it to be a woman to be just like a man so that we can go around and and you know be promiscuous and and engage in all sorts of activities well, oh lord have mercy what does it mean to be a woman all right Let's, let's pause and, and, and uh, take a short break and, and come back in just a second and pick up with that. What does it mean to be a woman? Because this is a critical issue when we're talking about abortion. I mean, the whole reason we have abortion is because we want to deny womanhood. Oh, I'm ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. All right, let's stop and let's take a quick break. I'll be right back.
0: Elizabeth will be back in a moment. If you have questions about this or a previous podcast, please send her an email. Her email address is Elizabeth at servantsfeast.org. we're back now with Reverend Elizabeth Moreau
1: alrighty okay so we're back and I want us to um, I want to I want to start this half with a story I was watching a, um, uh, a discussion it was a, a group of pastors there were three pastors there have a panel discussion they were discussing it't matter what they were discussing but one of the topics that came up in the course of their discussion was um, the issue of abortion they were talking about how um, that uh, Republicans were all worried about abortion, but when it came time for, uh, they, they, they didn't want women to have abortion, but when it came time for, um, uh, you know, the, for when, when children became teenagers and things like that, then the, where was the Republican Party? They weren't anywhere to be found. And I was going to go, well, you know, that's because that's the dad's responsibility. But let's not get carried away with that. I didn't mean to go there. But uh, anyway, the point is that it's someone they were discussing, they said they don't think that a little slip up a young, when a young woman goes out, she's having a good time and playing, and, and she th- gets carri- things get carried away, and, and she has a little slip-up. They don't think that, that that should ruin the girl's life, that that should ruin her life. Okay. Realize, again, realize what we're saying when we say these things, what we, what, what we believe underneath them. Realize what underlies that idea. Wouldn't you like to poll? I think it'd be interesting to poll all the women who are unable to have children and ask them how they would respond to the idea of a child being a little slip up that ruins a life. I wonder how they'd feel about that. You know, um, you know, the whole line of that particular argument, and it is the second underlying premise uh, of the pro-abortion argument, the first being that we should be just like men and be able to um, you know, Spontaneously, you know, be sexually active without any sense of responsibility, and get an abortion to take care of that. Um, but this is the second underlying premise of the pro-abortion argument. It implies that women cannot be responsible with their own bodies, that um, that we are incapable of deciding when and where to have sex. We uh, that we are subject to our our baser nature, I guess, and um, that. That we, we, it would ruin our life to be able to have a baby because we wanted to have sex in the backseat of a car. And it goes on. The second, the second thing that implied that is implied in that statement, right, is that childbearing is not a significant part of being a woman. You can be a woman without ever bearing a child, and that is true. You can be. There are many women who can't have children, or or decide for whatever reason they don't want to have children. Um. Um. I never remarried. I always wanted to have another child, and I never remarried, so I never had another child. But um, I mean, you know, so there there are a lot of different reasons why women don't, um, have children, but um, but. Childbearing is a significant part of, a wo- of womanhood, but what, what that, that argument is is that your life is going to be ruined if you have to bear a child before you want it, right? And uh, the third thing that's Im- implied in, in that comment, a little slip shouldn't ruin your life, just a little slip up when you're young or when you're out dating or when you've been had a little too much to drink and you're partying or whatever. I really couldn't believe three pastors said that, but they said that with like a straight face and very seriously it was completely inappropriate for uh, that to ruin a woman's life. And what that really means is that a woman's sexual needs are greater than her maternal impulse, and, um, and I, I, I think we've had we've come a long way toward the destruction of womanhood, and, and again, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but I think we've come a long way toward the destruction of womanhood. When you reach the moment where you say, wow, um, having a baby, having wild and crazy sex with as many different men or women that I want to is more important than being a mother and the, the desire to be a mother, then I think we have gone a long way to destroying what it means to be a woman. I mean, you know, um, seriously, that's that's greater. Uh, it's more important to be able to have sex than it is than is it, the 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 urge to have sex is greater than the urge to be a mother. I want to be able to be free to have sex anywhere and anywhere I want, but I don't want any children to come from it. Once again, the implication is that women cannot sacrifice, that women have no nobler self beyond, them, beyond their immediate needs. The implication is that we have no greater concern than for ourselves and our plans and our wants. We are indeed a fragile little group, aren't we? Um, you know, I had a professor who made this argument, he said, um, and, and, and it was a pro-abortion argument, he said that, the, uh, that a child who comes into the world and is unwanted, an unwanted child, uh, will live an unhappy life because the parent doesn't want them, and, um, and it's better then that the child not be born. Oh, good Lord. I can't even tell you how obscene I find that particular line of thought, right? Um, if, it's as if women cannot set aside themselves at all for the act of motherhood, I mean, you know, well, I, that, I didn't want this child, therefore I'm going to treat it, I'm going to mistreat it. That is, I, I don't doubt that that happens. Of course it happens all the time. But that we excuse it, that we use it as a reason, and we lift it up as an illustration of we should abort babies, we should destroy our children because women are so selfish that they can't, um, that they can't you know, sacrifice on behalf of the good of the child that they're bringing into the world. They can't even own their womanhood enough to go ahead and be responsible for it. You know, are women in America so vacuous or so self-involved, so self-centered that we cannot bring forth um, a life and change our plans accordingly? I mean, what is wrong with us? billions of women do it every day and they raise their children and they love their children you know what was interesting is one of the men on the panel was somebody that i knew and he and he had told me one time that um his his mother had only planned his, they, his mother his parents had only planned to have two children they were gonna have abo- they wanted to have two and that was it and they were gonna stop and he was the fifth child and he was very grateful that abortion was not legal when he was uh when when his mother was having babies Because they only wanted two, but they got five. And he apparently was much loved in spite of the fact that his mother didn't want five children. Imagine that. It's absolutely astonishing. The capacity for human love. It's really amazing. You know? You know, I accept. um, There there are billions of women who accept unexpected and unplanned pregnancies all the time. Before 1973, uh, women did exactly that. All of the time, all everywhere, for all of history, they have babies. Yes, and I know you can come to me and you can say, "Oh, you know, there were backroom abortions. They did all this terrible medical. And it was unhealthy and it was unsafe." Yes, there was some of that, but not that much. And uh, then you, then they come and say, "Oh, yes, but there were they were dangerous and deadly ways that they tried to abort children, and they had all, they would you know drink medicine that was bad for them, and they would do things to try to get rid of it." Yes, that's true. I do. I'm aware of that. That that went on as well, you know, and I know that it was dangerous. You know, but I but I, I also think I mean, it was historically, if you look at it, if you go back and you read ancient, I mean, not ancient, but if you read historical sources, the actual ones that are there, as opposed to what some professor some places said, there there are fewer of those than we give credit for. And there have always been women who would wanted to get rid of a of a pregnancy who didn't want to who who wanted to abort a, a pregnancy or, or stop a stop it or whatever. But the reality is those numbers are exaggerated exaggerated with the with the express purpose of of making uh, giving gravity to a situation for a lesser good and the lesser good is promiscuity do you realize women die from abortions at planned parenthood did you know that yes they do they die from abortions but we don't ever talk for, we don't talk about that and planned parenthood is pretty clean and, and it's pretty you know like uh modern it's got all sorts of different like fancy uh, medical equipment and stuff and women still die from it and um you know but we don't talk about that childbirth is risky but abortion is riskier just for the record Moreover, if you've had an abortion, then that makes it harder your your pregnancy, a later pregnancy becomes more complex and it's more complicated, and um later childbirth is more dangerous if you have an abortion first. I'm not saying that it can't be done. I'm just saying that all of these are this whole this whole business of bringing forth life is is difficult. And it's difficult specifically for women. Because men can't bear children. They don't have a womb. Only women bear children. That's how that works. Only women. And it doesn't it doesn't really matter what you want. These are the facts. And I have a hard time with people who cannot adapt to the facts. You know? And, uh, and, and uh, that's, I'm having a hard time because we live in a society that apparently is unconnected to reality in any serious sense. You know? But anyway. But in this particular issue, we are diminishing the essential womanhood which is the capacity to bear children. Women alone can bear children. And we're doing so in order, in order to encourage promiscuity and by destroying the children that come from the promiscuity. That is pro-woman? That is why I'm not a feminist. There's no logic in that. Only women can bring forth baby, and you are not made more womanly by sleeping with more men and aborting children along the way. I mean, there's so many different facets of this that we could discuss. It has to do with the individualism of of our time. It has to do with, I mean, you know, the uh, Plain Parenthood is an incredibly, profoundly racist organization that, you know locates itself among uh in the black and brown community it's utterly appalling but anyway um there's just there's so many different facets of this that just make me crazy and it is not pro-woman by any stretch of the imagination if we're going to look at this from god's perspective i want i want us to think about genesis 1 when god was in the middle of cro- of creating every time he got to um the animals or whatever he would say um and god blessed them and they became fruitful and he said. Be- you know they being fruitful and multiplied, right? Um, God best blessed them and they bore fruit, right? To be blessed is to be fruitful, and all you have to do is ask a woman who cannot have children how much she feels like God has cheated her. And I, it have, as a pastor, I've seen it happen over and over and over again, and it's so um, it's so tragic to want to be able to have a child and to be unable to do so, and yet that happens all the time. And women abort. Children three and four and five times and use it as means of sex selection or, you know, whatever, just to get rid of it because it's just too much trouble to have a baby. God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and said, be fruitful, the male and the female. He blessed them them to be fruitful and multiply. To be fruitful is God's blessing to bring forth life, to teach a woman, to teach our daughters that promiscuity Uh, that sexual license and liberty will give her greater freedom is to enslave her to the lowest order of animal life. Animals all copulate. They all have sex. They all reproduce. You know, all animals, and a great many of the animals, uh, exhibit uh, greater discrimination in their uh, partners than we do. Life itself is the condition of every human good. There is no good that comes from the dead. Good comes from life. And so a life that's born under difficult circumstances remains a life of value that has the potential to bring forth all sorts of amazing and wondrous um, accomplishments and achievements. That life, whichever one it is. Life itself is the condition for good, all good. It, it, It must begin with life even god understood that god god created and he brought forth life why because that is the condition for good how can you have anything apart from life to encourage women to destroy life is to 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 diminish our humanity in some degree you know it is, it, it, life is hard and that's true. This generation, we, 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 try, we deny it in so many different ways, but it is the but the, the, but the challenges that we face, the sacrifices that we make, the difficulties that we encounter, all of these hone and deepen our personhood and they make us stronger and they make us richer and they make us better. Um, you know, we're not made better by being less. We're made better by, by conquering more. And I think women are able. I think women are perfectly capable of taking on great challenges and overcoming great obstacles. I believe in women. I'm not a feminist because I don't think that women are too weak to handle what life brings their way or to take, or to take responsibility for their actions. I'm not a feminist because I believe that women can do those things. They don't have to whore themselves out to, to be more free Congratulations, we have taken our daughters and we have liberated them and we have made them equal to men and they are now the diminished and become nothing more than objects of men's lust. Wow, what an accomplishment we've done for them. Before I close I want to I want to leave you with a word of grace and I think this is a very important word because if you've been through an abortion this is awfully hard to hear and I realize that I have sat with women who have talked about abortions and how they feel about those after the fact I've heard women you know say it matters not at all to them and I've heard women say that they really regret it all right um and 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 I'm not going to stand in judgment in in a society that says oh here you can do this I'm not going to stand in judgment of you Because I think that life is hard and you don't need my judgment added to it, right? I, I was with a group of women one time, and this one woman was uh, mentoring, we're, we're, we're all older, and um, she was mentoring a young woman, and the young woman became pregnant, and she really encouraged the woman to keep the child. And it was going to be a great burden. The woman, the, the girl uh, was ill-prepared to take on motherhood. She was not married, and she had no education, and she had no uh, real job. she had no skills, nothing, And, and uh, but anyway, she was pregnant. And so the girl wanted to get an abortion, and, and the, the older woman who was mentoring her really, really discouraged that. The girl went anyway, and she got the abortion, and and the mentor was just horrified by the very idea. And um, so she came to uh, this group, and she said, you know, she went and she had an abortion, and then she called me, and she said, you know what? Through the whole thing, I just prayed, and I thought, God, and she goes, I could just feel the presence of God with me always. So through the whole thing, he was right there with me. And she goes, I was just appalled. I didn't even know how to respond. And another woman sitting at the table said, I don't doubt it at all. I'm sure God was right there with her, right in the middle of it. How many parents stand beside their children in the middle of something that they totally disapprove of and they unwaveringly stand beside them and love them throughout the whole ordeal? Why would God be any less? What I would say to you is that you need to know whether, you, when, if you've had an abortion, under whatever circumstances you had that abortion, that you are... The beloved of God, you have not, you have not um, committed some unforgivable sin. I think it is easily more unforgivable for church people to shame you in such um, ways that you feel you cannot even go there and that you cannot be accepted and loved. In the middle of that, I think that God loves us and he, um, and he will meet us wherever we are. He has far more patience with our past than we do, and I don't think you should carry the burden of of guilt for an abortion for your for the entirety of your life i think you need to go to god and say this is weighing heavily upon me and let him lift that burden from you and say lord these are the choices and this is the one i made find me and love me and heal me and heal my soul that's what i think you ought to say because i think god's love is unwavering um abortion is not the unforgivable sin irrespective of what the national media says however And no matter how loudly feminists scream, I do think abortion is a sin. It is not unforgivable unforgivable by any stretch of imagination, but it is a sin, I believe. You know, I I don't want to leave anybody with the opinion that there is no hope and there is no um, mercy. There is no, uh, because that's not true at all. Every life is marked by uh, high moments and low moments. But no life ever reaches beyond the stretch of God's love and God's grace. And he can find you in the middle of that. If you carry the burden of having had an abortion, you need to give that to God. If you're not worried about the abortion that you did have, then you don't need my judgment and don't have to pay any attention to it. That's between you and God. I will tell you that I think that Scripture holds that life, is the, it, life is, is, that God is the God of life. and that He doesn't give life for it, for it to be taken away. And on that note, I'm going to close with prayer. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. I ask you, O God, to call your people to lift our eyes to you, that we may see your glory. Send your Spirit to walk with us, to guide our steps, and to remind us throughout each day of your infinite love, your infinite wisdom. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then, as I said, I'm going to be using, um, for the next few weeks, I'm going to be using uh, a co- the completion of the series on Christianity and culture. And I think that's an interesting series, and uh, I hope that you'll enjoy it. And, but uh, say a prayer for me that I'll get finished with my writing and get that done and keep moving on forward. In the meantime, y'all be blessed. Now you hear?
0: You have just heard the latest podcast with Elizabeth Moreau. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or whatever service you might use. Please rate, review, and share this podcast with others. Be sure to look us up on Facebook and like and share this podcast with your friends. Also, if you appreciate this ministry, please consider making a donation to Servants Feast Christian Ministry through our website. Join us next time as we continue to explore God's truth as it speaks to our world today with transforming love for all people.